This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. If the universe, the planet, life, and every product of the process of creation is miraculous beyond comprehension, then what does that make the very process itself? Can you create a process of creation, and what is there to know about it beyond you? Then you'll notice that your perception of the process of creation is that the process itself is miraculous beyond comprehension. It encourages the process to flourish, or loves the creation just because it exists, not for what it does, achieves, or doesn't. It just encourages the process to flourish, loves the process itself, whatever happens. Valeria Tellies interviews David Bhakti Gottlieb, the author of Healing Inner Conflict, the purpose behind behaviors we regret and what to do about it. David Bhakti Gottlieb brings a lifetime of experience to his counseling, supervision, and professional development workshops. He has a Master's of Applied Science in Critical Psychology, a Graduate Diploma in Ecology, UWS, ACA College of Supervision. He has worked as a youth worker for Sydney City Missions Wilderness Program, Burnside's Adolescent Program, 10 years as a family support worker, seven years running personal developments programs for corrective services, and 10 years developing and running a partner's support group at Westmead Hospital's Breast Cancer Institute. He is trained with Dr. Richard Alpert, a.k.a. Ram Das, Be Here Now, How Can I Help?, Dr. Arnie Mandel, Process-Oriented Psychology, Working on Yourself Alone, Sitting in the Fire. Helena Cornelius, Conflict Resolution Network, Everyone Can Win. He has been seeing private clients for 40 years and through his work with extreme states of dissociation has developed Healing Inner Conflict, HIC, which is a simple method for understanding and intervening effectively with the mechanisms that manifest as disturbing behaviors. While he is retiring soon from face-to-face counseling, David will still be offering all forms of supervision services to counselors, psychologists, psychotherapists, youth and social workers, and other practitioners in the helping professions, as well as trainings in healing inner conflict, HIC. Meet David at healinginnerconflict.com.au. Here is the interview with David Bhakti Gottlieb.
in your own words, who is David Bhakti Gottlieb? He's a composite of uh, human and uh, spiritual. I guess, you know, I was born like everybody else, went through the fundamentalism of being brought up in a, uh, I don't know, a kind of a conservative Jewish family of its time and, you know, head down, bottom up and do, do your study and make something of your life. And then uh, my brother suicided when I was about 22. And I think that kind of propelled me, even though I didn't realize it at the time, into uh, that's not necessarily the way to go. You know, he'd um, got into financial trouble and he was very focused on, you know, the whole big business and make money and that turned things around in a counseling session with my brother who I was in business with and the counselor said, well, I think people come here to do whatever they need to do and when they finish, they go. And I said to the counselor very skeptically, well, I'd like to believe that, but I don't. <laughs> and uh, yeah. But he just looked at me and he said, well, what makes you believe what you believe? And I had no idea. Like that cracked me. Yeah. It was part of an organization that taught meditation and did personal development. And I kind of like just did everything and learned everything, became a meditation teacher, became a personal development teacher and um, ended up studying with uh, Ken Keyes Jr. in Oregon. And it was through him that I met Ramdas, and then through Ramdas, ended up with a relationship with Nim Karoli Baba. And that's what brought unconditional love kind of as a possibility into my life, even though, you know, it, it happened over a long time. And yeah, I guess that's influenced my work, not particularly consciously. I think it was just eventually noticing that over the decades, the way that I worked, I noticed, oh my God, this is this is actually teaching people how to be able to look at what's going on from an unconditionally loving perspective that's I, I couldn't have done if he hadn't have modeled it for me. I wouldn't have known what it was. Let me ask, actually, before I ask you more questions, the opening questions, what does bhakti mean for those who don't know? Uh, the whole name is bhakti, <laughs> the Das family. Ram Das and Krishna Das and Rameshwa Das. And uh, so these, when I, 30 years after having met Ram Das and um, begun a process of, I would just say, kind of ensconcing myself in, I guess, what I'd call ways of developing unconditional love. And I think somewhat just by doing things and listening to things and trying to get my focus to be able to at least go back to that when I lose it. After about 30 years of that, Ramdas was offering uh, Skype sessions with people and I thought, well, I really want to thank him for 
what he brought back from India with Baba's, I don't know, I could only call it really a contact high of unconditional love that he then put into Be Here Now and Be Love Now and everything else. So I had the the Skype session with him and ended, uh, he, he said, look, if you're in you know Maui, you look me up, which I, I didn't need more than that and uh, ended up doing that. And uh, when we were with him, I had the thought that I'd, I'd kind of dedicated my life to service about, I don't know, seven or eight years before that. And I just thought, well, I wouldn't mind a name. So he was the one who gave me Bhakti Das. And it means um, servant of devotional love, which interestingly enough, like David Gottlieb, what I was born with is beloved of God, God love. So I really haven't gone very far, but um, I've just gone around the corner. It makes so much sense to me, David, yeah, that we are never far from the truth of unconditional love. It's just that we get, it's also the conditionings and the getting lost, per se. It's also part of that unconditional love. Everything is connected. One, two, three. The one and two is happening at the same time. It's there's no separation, really. I mean, that was a, a very interesting thing to talk about. It's fun that there's no separation, none. It seems like it's just apparent. It cannot be separated. Everything, it's that, which is I call it unconditional love. Yeah, look, for me, that stuff is, is a bit like, I don't know, the sun's always there, but sometimes you're not looking at it. Sometimes you're looking for it, but it, there's a, it's a completely overcast day and you can't see it. But, you know, it's a bit like someone who's never seen the ocean. It's hard for them to imagine it. But if you know the sun's there, you, you, there's never any doubt that above the clouds it's still there or even if you're in your bedroom and the windows are completely closed, you, there's still a sense yeah, but the sun's still there. And like for me, especially in my work, it's like, you know, when most people are coming, they're not coming with any relationship to unconditional love. They're coming with their inability to experience that. And so the very thing that you and I are doing is trying to put language to an experience, uh, you know, on a certain level, we kind of have the privilege of having it to talk to from the start. But often when I'm, you know, working with someone, they don't have that grace. And I think that's why finding language to span between no relationship to it to some relationship to it is, uh, yeah, I think that's the evolution we're in. Evolution, yeah, that's uh, another interesting word. And let me ask you another question related to that, I guess. From your perspective, what is freedom or liberation? What would that look like? Well, the, the interesting thing with the question is uh, <laughs> having talked about choice and choicelessness is from, from which perspective do, do I answer it? Right. <laughs> but I, of course, you know, I'm going to answer it from both perspectives. Yeah. If we start from the position of unconditional love, everything is freedom. Mm, yeah. But 
do we experience that? No, we experience limitation. You know, mm. as soon as we're in a body, yeah. we're experiencing limitation. You know, almost everything that our body is is a filtering system so that mm. we don't hear all of the sounds and we don't see all mm. of the spectrum. Right. Because we don't have the ability, we'd, we'd pop if we did. <laughs> And so on a certain level, you know, as we enter into an incarnation, we're entering into limitation, which is why then, you know, when you get a glimpse of, oh, I am actually the totality of everything mm -hmm. and in my essence, then there's this thing of, well, okay, so what's this incarnation? What's this body? For me, freedom is experiencing that oneness with everything, knowing that, you know, this body is a piece of flotsam and jetsam just bobbing up and down on the great ocean of existence and at the same time not having any issue with the fact that I'm living in a 63-year-old body that has its things it can do and things that it can't do, but actually seeing that as part of the totality of the freedom, the freedom to experience 63 years in the body and be able to, you know, talk to my children and from the point of view of their experience, which is, you know, well, I'm... I'm not doing so well with my desire to become this or that and be able to have compassion for limitation because I know what that's like myself, but without being out of relationship with the freedom of being in relationship with love as the binding force of the universe. So freedom for me is kind of, the, the 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 seesaw between my mortal life and my unconditional life that sees the whole picture and my incarnation as part of it. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Which has been said in some spiritual tradition, being in the middle. I think it's Zen Zen Buddhism. They talk a lot about the the middle way. Just being between, dancing between those two, the is and the isn't. Well, I think, you know, with the, Jesus said, you know, I'm, I'm in it, but not of it. Oh, and and I, I remember, uh, I think it was a, um, a Muslim saying, I, I go through the market, but I'm not buying anything. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I actually love that one. And that's a, never heard that way, David. A long time ago, um, I was listening to some uh, channelings of uh, someone called Chung Fu, who, who, who said the sage walks through the battlefield without noticing anything going on. He's just walking through. And I think that's our lives. You know, we, we walk through all of the givens of our incarnation and if we're lucky, we get beyond to be able to see that the incarnation is just a evolution that's both physical but that allows the possibility 
of something spiritual. You know, if we didn't have a body, you and I wouldn't be having this chat. Yeah, so you do believe in reincarnation, in mind continuation or the continuation of the me, the I? I on a certain level, I'm not even sure it matters right. what <laughs> I believe. You know, yeah. because, you know, uh-huh. there's the part of me that was brought up with all of this stuff is, you know, so non-empirically provable and whatever. So the very basis of what we're talking about where we're saying, okay, so I experienced this thing called unconditional love or I am unconditional love or – but it's it's predicated on having that experience. But how do I know that my experience is your experience is anyone mm. else's experience? Mm. But that for me is the, the, the divine play mm. of talking about the experience of life while you're having it, all all I know is that I couldn't have had this chat with you when I was 15 mm-hmm. yeah. or 7 and that it's not particularly linear. We grow physically linearly, you know, we go from childhood to puberty to adulthood and whatever, but spiritually it kind of happens whenever it happens, which makes it kind of difficult to talk in terms of beliefs like do I know that there are previous lives and and um, I don't know that but I, I don't have a better explanation for all sorts of things like why it is that I can play the piano the way I do that's not to do with anything to do with this lifetime where you know my body's playing the piano and composing and there's a part of me going, oh, this is fabulous. Mm-hmm. But it not, certainly knows it's not coming from me. Right. And then similarly, the stuff to do with the counselling. And uh, these ways of working uh, similarly didn't come from me. Um, but that sounds like that's the, uh, the storytelling. or That's the part of us that wants to know. And that's the apparent separated self, which there isn't one. But that's the brain kind of creating the, trying to explain what cannot be explained, what, the unknown, really. That's what comes to me. And when you talk about experience, it's a realization, really. That's what also seems to be, from my perspective. It's not even a knowing, cannot be known anyway. So it can only be realized. It doesn't mean no one can really find by seeking it, it seems just happens too, like life itself. So it's a realization that this is magic at play. This is, um, yeah, unconditional love is the closest words that I can describe this as. But it's not, it's not something that's definite or it's just words. It is not an experience. It cannot be an experience because to experience you have to be someone is experiencing, knowing something. So if there's no one there, then... There's just life left, the unknown. I can talk to you forever about these things. For <laughs> 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 I go on and on and on. So, talk to me about your work, David. You wrote the ebook titled "Healing Inner Conflict: The Purpose Behind Behaviors We Regret and What to Do About It." So, 
talk to me about what is your approach about, which I have read and I find it fascinating, especially because you use that component of unconditional love. So healing inner conflict, HIC. This is something that was actually taught to me by uh, clients. I live in a small town of about 7,000 people and uh, these people who deal with... uh, multiple personalities and dissociative identities ended up basically uh, saying, look, you have to help us. And I said, I don't know how to help you. And they Mm -hmm. said, well, then no one else is. So you better learn. And that's kind of what happened. And they basically showed me that dissociation is a function, that X amount of trauma requires X amount of dissociation as we kind of go through childhood and there's a dependent stage of childhood where our reptilian brain is set to keep us in the next moment of evolution and that's very different to later on when we've got a neocortex that's interested in well-being so the process of having to comply with whatever it is that's expected of us when we're dependent on parents or carers um, creates this uh, duality between what it is we want to do and what it is that we have to do so that they keep feeding us the next day. And when there's extreme trauma, that just becomes more extreme. And so we have to dissociate in order to be able to do the job properly of complying and getting into the next moment of evolution, which of course is at the cost of our expression of uh, how we'd like to be. What was also going on is I was also seeing clients who were not dealing with extreme trauma. And what I noticed was everybody does the same stuff the people with more extreme trauma just do it more extremely. They just dissociate more. And then over time, it just became clear that there were four mechanisms that everybody uses. And it kind of took things from uh, the kind of symptomatic medicine way of, oh, this is a problem and how do we get rid of the problem, to this is the human condition. These are the stages we go through. These are the mechanisms that we do to get through, to get by. And then eventually what evolved was a way to intervene with them, and that's the unconditional love, which is when you're able to see the whole picture Mm, and yourself in it, and I mean small self there, then you can see that there's nothing going wrong. There's just this grand process of evolution that we happen to play a little part in. But of course, as you and I are finding out of, the talking about it and the noticing it as opposed to the just experience in it. I think, you know, if you and I were in our experiences of unconditional love, we'd have half an hour of profound silence. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, it could, yeah. It could includes everything, silence and non-silence, right? <laughs> but what I found um, fascinating about, well, even 
deciding to call it healing in a conflict is the simplicity that just became really clear that there are only four types of disturbing behaviors and they match the developmental stages of becoming a, a human and they're really simple. And when I started off in counseling, I never imagined that it would be simple then to kind of notice, oh, okay, so there's only these four things. There's, the, there's a child, what a child does, which is internal override or criticism. There's what we do as an adolescent, which is external override or external criticism. There's what we do as an adult, which is to override the adolescent, you know, acting out um, externally criticizing because we've got jobs and relationships. And then we've got self-distraction or self-medication because when you've got three other levels of override, we tend not to be a happy camper at the end of the day and we want to drink or some something to distract us, a screen or but then to just notice and be able to show people literally in a first session, this is the mechanism that is being dealt with here and that there's a way of dealing with that that's to bring unconditional love as in there's nothing going wrong, it's an evolution, it's a healing trying to happen mm. in exactly the same way that physical pain does that. We don't like it, but it knocks on the door and it forces our attention right. on that which needs healing. Of course, in our culture, we tend to try to avoid that like the plague, but right. it's exactly the same in the internal realm mm. that these feelings, these uh, disturbances are knocking on the door, forcing our attention on that which needs emotionally healing. And this was a really huge turnaround from the bell curve of normality to this is a process that's completely part of life and that all that's required is a relationship to it that understands that, that doesn't make anyone in, immediately perfect or it doesn't happen. It just means that I guess the highest accolade you can get in, 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 uh, in my room is where you realize that you're just a work in progress, which of course for me I notice is the same whether it's to do with your physical incarnation or your spiritual incarnation. I love the way you call it in a book, you call it natural. You say the main purpose of the understanding about the nature of the process of creation is the potential realization that on a certain level, nothing matters as an individual. Now, at least part of us can relax, you say. <laughs> so it caught my attention the way you phrased this about the natural process, which is um, going back to nature as a reference that we are nature, not apart from nature. And then then nothing really matters from that perspective, right? It's from the individual perspective. It doesn't stop the processes from still happening. And that's where your work enlightens. It can be very helpful because we do need practices, I would say, But not in the sense of um, 
Trying. Yeah, I, I really don't believe in, in the idea of trying or the choice, that we have a choice, but just kind of navigating the responses of the processes, of natural processes of this happening as life itself. Not sure if that's clear, but... Well, for me, I would just describe the same thing as the in-breath and the out-breath mm-hmm. of awareness where, you know, you'd know from your own life you're born and it's only as you look back you can see at a certain point in time you wake up to some, to a level of awareness that allows you a level of freedom and for me, there's in the same way that we we go to sleep or we wake up the next morning. Um, I think the same happens in our spiritual evolution, where you know we we wake up and fall asleep, and you know I'm a very flawed individual, and I forget unconditional love many times a day. Mm-hmm. I think the, the what's graceful is my ability to come back to it mm. and I, what noticing, you know, what a blessing that is because, of course, in my work, you can imagine I work with a lot of people who have nothing to come back to. Yeah. And, you know, you'd be aware there's a tendency. Um, I mean, I'm remembering, you know, Ram Dass talking about first you have to go into somebody training <laughs> yes, before yeah, you can funny. go into nobody training. <laughs> yes. Um, because we, we get into our, I'm a somebody, you know, before you realize actually, the, the, you know, the, 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 you're a nobody. There's, but, you know, this is the, I think, the, the divine leela or play that is possible when there's some level of awakening. But it's also very easy to get attached to mm. the awakening and then right. you get very disappointed when it disappears <laughs> and you go home for Christmas and your in-laws are giving you curry. And, but for me, it's just that in-breath and out-breath of remembering and forgetting and remembering and forgetting that on a certain level, you know, your mm. podcasts, you know, help us all remember. Mm. And uh, I guess the healing in a conflict stuff like I never imagined that there would be a crossover between my counseling work and my spiritual experience mm, of unconditional okay. love. Um, so that's been so, yeah, there, there isn't words to describe it. Uh, natural. <laughs> that you, sounds well, like natural to me. <laughs> the natural progression. And I guess for me, you know, that's been the grace of meeting Ram Dass ending up with a relationship with Neem Karoli Baba, having an experience of unconditional love that my rational mind will never understand because I, I never met Neem Karoli Baba in, in form. So my rational mind goes, how can you even have this relationship? And yet there's the experience and then noticing that the experience informs all the work that I've been doing. And then it's like, well, was it my work or is it his work or is it evolution's work or the grand play um, where we're all just instruments of the grand process. But to be able to bring this to 
you know, a construction worker who's walked into my office and a couple of hours later for him to have the awareness, oh my God, this is just the human condition. There's nothing wrong with me. This is something trying to go right. The, when you see the relief and you experience that sense of freedom from the beginning of the session, which is, you know, I'm a, a screwed unit, there's something wrong with me. It's so fulfilling to see the simplicity playing itself out. And not that anything miraculous happens. We have to practice this stuff. But when you get to the point where you realize it doesn't matter how much you practice or not, who you are is beyond that. Then the coming and going between the mortal and the spiritual is just a dance. Of the same thing, same music, yes, dancing the same music. Your work, do you offer online sessions or it's only in person? Well, interestingly enough, I'm retired. I still do uh, supervision and I will still be doing uh, training. And I've trained people to, uh, to, to, to be able to counsel using healing and a conflict principles. And I'll be continuing that next year. But in terms of face-to-face counseling, um, yeah, I'm kind of scaled back. It's, it's, uh, my stage of life is to, you know, help others learn how to do that. And certainly, There's a few of my students who are uh, in the process of turning it into an accredited uh, course. And also, please give us the website. What is the website to learn more about what you do, your work? Sure. It's healinginnerconflict.com.au. Okay, so I'll have that link on your podcast profile too. And we're almost at the end. There's something that I read on your ebook. You say, I believe like a parent, the process of creation encourages the process to flourish or loves the creation just because it exists. Not for what it does, achieves, or doesn't. It just encourages the process to flourish loves the process itself, whatever happens. I love that. I mean, that goes back to the main message. Yeah. I mean, and that's what's behind the way of working. And in the same way that you and I struggle to talk about this in a podcast, writing that, you know, it was very much a, a separate part uh-huh. to... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the rest of the book that was quite technical in terms of, okay, this is how to do this sort of counseling. But it's usually not that uh, useful to begin <laughs> when someone's walking in and they've got a broken leg or a broken no. heart <laughs> to say, well, you know, it's all just fabulous because they're going, <laughs> yes. no, this is... Wait a minute, but, yeah. <laughs> but to be able to, to have that as the basis and as I'm teaching people to use this way of working... Once they've got that, you know, the essence of what you were just um, reading, that pervades the rest of the work. And you can actually see when a client gets that because they drop into a space that, that 
isn't part of their physical life process. And when they experience what you and I are talking about, when they experience that something that can't be described, that's beyond their physical life process, uh, it's like uh, a mind once stretched can never go back mm. to its original shape. Yeah. Then it's just a matter of ways of making that happen more and more. And then if we just knew that this is it, this is the destination, the journey, everything, this moment, which is not even a moment, it's not time, it's just we become the moment. Yeah. And that process of getting to the place where you become the moment, where you become life, where you become love, where you become what I would call part of the universe mm. in the totality of it, as well as in relationship with your momentary incarnation, then at this point, there is nothing to do. Yeah. But right. what we all experience is that as we come into a body, it takes us a while to get there. Yeah. And then there's the processes of remembering it and forgetting it and remembering and forgetting it. And the awareness that it's grace that allows that process to happen. And I actually have a sense that it's only a matter of time and it's only a matter of the universe playing with itself, like I'm fascinated by the lemnus gate, the infinity symbol, which is these, this one thing that's twisted that makes it look like two, but it's actually one. Mm, yeah. And I think that's the dance that we're all in, where we're in a sense of duality because we're in the limited body and there's a part of us that can see the wholeness. Mm. But then there's pretty much what you and I are doing right now, which is bringing that, and as people listen to this, it's bringing them back to that in the same way that I, I do that through the day where I forget, I stub my toe and I swear, and then I come back to that it's all just part of the process. And, mm. and it's the remembering and the forgetting. You know, the healing in a conflict was just mm. a method I, because I happened to be a counsellor that, that got funneled through and became something simple that people could use to remember that in their day-to-day -day lives. And we're almost at the end. In your book, I also love the interesting correlation to external conflict resolution. That part of your book also caught my attention. The win-win approach, uh, creative response, empathy, appropriate assertiveness. I mean, this is golden wisdom. <laughs> I was lucky, en lucky enough in the earlier part of my personal development training to have uh, Helena Cornelius uh, teach me. And she, it was her and her mother who, and I think Shoshana Fair who started the Conflict Resolution mm -hmm. Network. And yeah, it was interesting later on to see the correlation between 
conflict resolution and healing in a conflict. And but that you know, in in its essence, all of these ways of approaching they all come from the same place. They're just kind of different versions of it in the same way that, you know, you and I come from the same place, but with different versions of it. And that's the the beauty of it is, uh, you know, if there was an issue of our time, it's how does diversity coexist? Mm. And I think that's the evolution that we're going through in the same way that, you know, for me, as a species, we're going through an adolescence. You know, we've gone through our, you know, walking, going on, not having much consciousness, being on all fours and crawling around and then starting to stand up and starting to group. And, you know, now I think we're in the shop till you drop and put all the rubbish under the bed in the same way that adolescents do. And that's just where we're up to as a species. And... You know, the person who's the most muscly in the schoolyard, you know, is the is the one. But I also see that, you know, we, we, we'll get through this and we'll become, we'll get into adulthood and old age and, but we have to kind of have an unconditionally loving relationship with our own individual process and the process that the whole species is going through and who's awake and who's not awake, but it's a bit like puberty. Someone gets puberty early, someone gets it late, but everyone's going to get it, you know. So I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Yeah, I'm happy to read just the, the last passage in the book. I believe like a parent, the process of creation encourages the process to flourish or loves the creation just because it exists, not for what it does achieves or doesn't. It just encourages the process to flourish, loves the process itself, whatever happens. What are you going to do when you realize that you are the most advanced version of your line dating back to the beginning of life as we know it? When you've realized this, it doesn't matter what you do. There is a great freedom that comes from this understanding when and if you notice it as your own personal experience, which is the only proof you need. In summary, you've got the most amazing piece of biotechnology to run around in for a lifetime, however long that might be. You are the most sophisticated version of your line of creation ever, and you've got an unknown but definitely limited period of time to play with it in a playground that only can be described as miraculous beyond comprehension. As Einstein pointed out, every realm is relative or interconnected with every other realm. And the degree to which we develop a relationship with our place in that realm, the more we can become collaborators in that process. When we realize that by bringing healing to our own insensitivities, by bringing healing to our internal relationships, then we have the best chance of healing our external relationships. Is there anyone who doesn't want themselves and their children to live in a more and more sensitive world? I love that question. <laughs> yeah, the answer is so obvious. Thank you again, David. So my last question is to you. What is another word for power? 
the ability to be in relationship with the force of the universe that flows through everything. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Uh, that love is what exists between everything, that our physical life is short and our spiritual life is never-ending. And as I say to my kids, make sure you enjoy at least part of your day. Thank you so much again for your presence, the wisdom that flows through you, which I call timeless wisdom, and everything else in between that can be felt. Thank you, David. Thank you, Valeria. Bye for now. Take good care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about David Bhakti Gottlieb and his work, please visit healinginnerconflict.com.au. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.